I'm too young or I'm too old And I can't sing or teach And no title do I hold Lord, what can I do? For I want to do my part And I want to help the hurting With all of my heart I can pray Until the walls come down, until there's healing all around, that's something I can do. I can pray in my secret place, calling on your name, that's something I can do. I can pray. I know you. 
Thank you, Brother Mrs. Maddox. That was a blessing. That goes along well with our message this morning from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And something that we all can do is that we can pray. I've had a wonderful time here with you folks today at Centennial. I appreciate the spirit of your church and your attitude. And I believe the best is yet to come here. How many would say an amen to that? I really believe that. I believe the best is yet to come. I have not been here for probably nine or ten years at I've seen so many changes, not just to the size of the church, but just uh, the growth and all that's going on. I'll say again, you're blessed with a lot of great music around here. I, I talked to Brother Maddox, and I said, well, I heard your wife sing this morning. He goes, my wife didn't sing this morning. I go, well, unless you have more than one wife. But his, this wife did sing this morning. He was actually, he wasn't in here. I was. She was the children's ministry. And uh, I just will tell you what, a lot of joy to hearing Emily and her husband David, I believe it is, sing today. Great blend and harmonies there and just a great spirit in the music. And I was talking to Pastor about that today. Just I really enjoyed that, and that's been a blessing. I realize that most of you probably don't have your Bibles with you tonight because you came for it. But if you do, I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. We are going to tell you a little bit about the college and about our current big project and what's going on and sort of give you an update. I know some of you have given to the college in the past and have supported it. I want to give you an update on that. But I want to give you a challenge here on Mission Sunday that I hope will be a help to you. And really, I'm taking this just from four verses. And if you'd mark these two verses of your Bible, two passages, Romans 10, 13 and 14, and Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, and Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38. And how many are thankful that there's some babysitters watching the five and unders right now? Now, I like Sophie, okay? I mean, she's, she's on the Prince's program, but... I just I can imagine her running around down here and uh, driving her mother nuts. So uh, make sure to thank those folks when you go over there because it sure makes it easier to have a church service and to do what we're trying to do here tonight because you're there. Let's read these verses. The Bible says first in Romans 10, 13, and 14, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then it says this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? Of whom they have not heard. And how should they hear without a preacher? And then if you flip over to Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38, it says this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he and his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore for the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I'm going to pray in just a moment and share a few thoughts here before we talk about the college that I hope will be a help. I want to say something what the pastor said about the missions trips. And I felt the Lord compelled me to say this. I thought about it there, and I just thought about it again, and I feel like I should say this. I did not go on a missions trip until I was 40 years of age. I had never been to a third world country. And parents, let me say this. It will change the hearts of your kids. Brother Willis is a great man, and of course, obviously, Brother Justice is an unbelievable missionary. Uh, you say, well, how does it change them? Is, you think everybody should be a missionary just because your daughter's a missionary? I'm going to show you her picture tonight, her husband, their kids. No, I don't think everybody should be a missionary. In fact, I believe most people should not. But I'll tell you this, it'll change your heart in the areas of in two areas, gratitude and contentment. Gratitude and contentment. My first missions trip to third world country, I went to the Philippines, and I went to Mindanao, I went to Iloilo, I went to Manila, 
And that's where I found out about great Filipino cooks, like the great Filipino food we had tonight. You say, what did the Filipino cook bring tonight? She brought lasagna. A <laughs> little messed up, you know what I'm saying? Very messed up. I'll never forget walking through one of the barrios, though, in Manila, where there was no running water. There was a trench where people would squat over to go to the bathroom. Um, amazing, they had TVs, you know. They would have just a spigot of water where they'd get their water for washing, for eating, for drinking. I'll never forget walking around a corner, and there was a girl, and again, Filipinos in general oftentimes are smaller. Of course, compared to me, everybody's smaller. But um, there's a Filipino girl who looked like she was 14 or 15 laying on the sidewalk giving birth to a child, and there's no one there. I'm with a bunch of teenagers. I'm going, oh, my soul. I, I couldn't believe it. I remember using my money to buy bread. Every, these little houses have little windows or like little stores in the houses. And giving them out rolls these kids. They don't know me from Adam. They're all begging me for a piece of bread. You think of the food that was here tonight. There's enough food here that's left over us to go through again. I mean, think about it. God's been good to us. And then contentment. I can't fit all my clothes in one closet. People buy me suits. They give me ties. I get most of my shoes, honestly, from thrift stores. The last four pair of dress shoes I bought, I bought them from thrift stores. But I don't know how many sports shirts I have. After I went to the Philippines... I haven't bought one at a Dillard's or someplace like that since then. I've got so many. I don't know how many golf shirts I have. And seeing what's going on in the mission field impacted me in that way. By the way, it changed my giving towards missions. Because there are some great missionaries out there, like the two that were mentioned tonight. Both personal friends of mine who I highly recommend. You know, Brother Willis, son and daughter in our school, just, just great people. And uh, Justice Banwell, I believe, really a Hudson Taylor of our generation. I, I really believe that. So I would pray about that, especially, while it's great if you can go as an adult, if you can send one of your kids, it may t change their heart forever. It could change them. You say, why do you say that? Because the Bible says, my eye hath affected my heart. It's a Bible principle. So that's something to think about. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started here tonight. Lord, I pray in these next 20 minutes or so, we'll share some things that will be a challenge and a help. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I said to pastor yesterday, as we were talking about today, I believe you can judge a church on three things. Number one, are they trying to win people in the immediate area around their church? Are people being saved? People say, what would Jesus do? I have the answer for you. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He said, what would Jesus do? Well, he came to see people get saved. So you judge a church by are they trying to reach people? Is the gospel being preached? Number one. Number two, what are they doing for world missions? The Great Commission is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Some churches say, well, just we don't believe in missions. Well, they don't believe in the whole Great Commission then. So a church ought to be concerned about seeing people get saved. A church ought to be concerned about world evangelism. And then a church ought to be concerned about young people, some of them going out to serve God. Again, not all. Not all. But some. We're one generation away from extinction. One generation away. And I don't believe all the young people ought to serve the Lord. I do believe every young person ought to pray about giving God one year in Bible college. I do believe that with all my heart. The principle of first thing, seek ye first the kingdom of God. By the way, the Mormons give two years. Can't, can't Baptists give eight months? Just saying. You know, just eight months. They give God a chance to work in their heart. It changed my life. I was a business major at a large university. My dad said, I want you to go to Bible college for a year. 
My second semester, I surrendered to full-time Christian work. My second year, I was called to preach. Changed my life. I stayed at that college for 14 years. I was not a student the entire time, okay? <laughs> they hired me to teach there. But I believe that. So a church, are they winning people to Christ? Are they supporting world missions? I hope you'll turn in your faith promise commitment. Pastor wants to take on more missionaries. That's totally dependent on those commitments. We had our missions conference two weeks ago. We had 30 missionary families there, 15 returning, 15 new. Pastor said, we'll take them on if the commitments come in. And I know pastor knows people. He'll say, I'll take people on if commitments come in. I encourage you to get behind it. I believe with all my heart, as I said this morning, when I preached on the little boy in his lunch, that someday you'll say, I'm glad I did. Let's look at these verses here. First Romans 10, 13, and 14. First of all, we see a fact. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a definitive statement. Folks, when people call on the name of Jesus, they're saved. That's it. That's all there is. It's done. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So we see the fact that people need to call on the name of the Lord. But then we see this. We see a problem. The fact is people need to call. What is the problem? The Bible says, how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Can I put this on the bottom shelf for everybody here tonight? Does everybody on your block, your block, not your town, not your city, not your county, not your state, but does everybody on your block know that you're a Christian? Does everybody on your block know about your church? Can I ask you a question? Don't you think they should? You say, well, they're not good people. Can I tell you who lives next door to me? Two women. They're both engineers at Edwards Air Force Base. They're partners. By the way, they're not saved, but we're trying to reach them. I hate the sin of homosexuality, but we're to love a sinner. We've taken fresh baked brownies to them. We've taken cookies to them. We've offered to bring them to musicals. They haven't come yet. But I think they're my Jerusalem, don't you? I think they're my Jerusalem. And I've committed that at least once every year I'm going to walk around my block. It's about 20 homes and at least invite them all to church. I say, I'm your neighbor. I care about you. Now, I don't have to knock all the doors because two doors this way is Brother Hartanto. He's an usher in our church. Next door to him is Larry Chapel. He's our youth pastor. Two doors this way is Pastor Chapel. I'm pretty sure they know where they're going, okay? <laughs> but the other people don't go to our church. Three families do out of 20. I figure that is my Jerusalem. So it says, how shall they hear? Can I tell you this? How will your neighbors hear if you don't tell them? Do you realize I appreciate Pastor Tony? Been friends for 15, 16 years. But you know what? You might be even more effective because you are their neighbor. You live on their street or on their block. So it's how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, we're going to look at that in another view in just a moment here. So the fact is, if they call, they'll be saved. The problem is, they can't believe if they haven't heard. So it then says this. How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, there's two parts to that. One part is part of your supporting West Coast Baptist College. There's the training of preachers. Last year, we graduated 210 young people and sent them out into ministry. Of those 210, 97% of them were placed by March. 97%. There's a great need. So we're trying to train them. But I also want to say this. Missions is you're sending them. Supporting a church like Brother Acres, a startup church. 
I believe you said you had 16 people today. Is that correct? Can I tell you a little secret, folks? If people don't support someone like that, they're not going to be able to start new churches. I'm going to show you a church plant. And of all places, Honolulu, Hawaii. We reached a young man. I went over and preached over there. And he was voted one of Hawaii's top 50 young businessmen. He had a nice car. It's called a Lamborghini. He decided to sell his business and come to West Coast Baptist College. He was an IT genius. So after a little while, we just said, yeah, maybe you don't need to go anywhere. Why don't you just stay and work for us? He took over all of our IT stuff. And finally he said, hey, I came here because I was called to preach. I'm going to tell you a story in just a minute. That's somebody that we helped send out there. And what's going on over there. It's unbelievable. Right? Anthony King. It's just an amazing story. He got trained. So there's two parts. There's the training and then there's the sending. When you support Faith Promise Missions, you're helping to send people. You're helping to send them. So we see the fact they call to be saved. The problem, how should they hear without a preacher? We see the training and the sending. They can't hear without a preacher. But then look down at Matthew chapter 9, if you will. Once again, we see the why. The Bible says this, he was moved with compassion on them because they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. My friends, sheep need a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd get lost. They get killed, they get injured, they get hurt. We all know the story of the 90 and 9. So we see that we have a problem. He says there's people out there and they need somebody to come and tell them. I'm thankful that this church is here in this town. Oh, there's other churches on this street, but you know what? Are they going to tell the truth? There's some churches in your town that says if you get baptized, you'll be saved. But that's not in the Bible. There's churches in your town that say, well, if you go to confession and get last rites, you'll go to heaven. But that's not in the Bible. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. There's only one way. And I'm afraid that many, many people, we live in a religious country, but they are religious but lost. This church is sharing the truth of the gospel. So we see here in Matthew chapter 9 that he was moved with compassion. Can I say this to you today? I saw your prayer sheet, the dear gentleman who puts that together. I appreciate that. I am a believer in prayer sheets. I have a lot of different prayer lists. By the way, Brother Van Manen and Brother Akers, you're on one of my prayer lists. And I haven't seen Brother Akers, I don't know how many years it's been, but it's been a while. But I, I have a list of every preacher I've ever preached for. If they're still in the ministry, as far as I know, I never take him off them. I never took Brother Akers off. Brother Van Manen, I knew where he was at. Didn't know where Brother Akers was till last night. And we were over making a visit and start. He said, hey, Brother Akers, just started a church here. I know that he'd gone back to get his master's, his MDiv, and I was aware of that. That's one of my prayer lists. It's about 500 men something like that, who are my prayer list. I have a list of our graduates. That list is pretty big. It's about 1,800 graduates now. I have a list of our current students. That's another list. I have a list of missionaries. That's several hundred people. Uh, we have missionary prayer cards. My wife has put into a prayer, prayer book for us. We have over 300 missionary prayer cards. As long as we know they're still in ministry, my wife prays for them every single week. Every week. She does it every Sunday morning. It takes her about an hour. She goes in our closet, there's a chair there, she goes through and prays for every one of those missionaries. And can I encourage you, and again, we talked about prayer this morning from Hebrews 4.16. God wants us to come boldly to the throne of grace. That's what he wants us to do. That's what he's asking for us to do. So we see here in this verse in Matthew chapter 9 that there's a problem. They're out there like sheep and they're without a shepherd. That's a problem. 
But there's a fact. The Bible says the harvest truly is plenteous. They're everywhere. I heard a story about two shoe salesmen who went to Africa. They got there and they discovered something. No one wore any shoes there. They were all barefoot. One guy went to the nearest phone booth there. He called back. He says, get me home as quick as possible. He goes, no one wears shoes here. The next guy was waiting in line, hopping up. He says, let me use the phone. Let me use the phone. He got him there. He says, quick. He said, sit every shoe you've got. Everybody needs shoes here. What's our view going to be? Idaho? Idaho needs the Lord. Yes, there's a big Mormon influence here. No, there's not a lot of great soul churches here. By the way, can I say this? The darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker the night, the brighter the light. So can I ask you this, this evening this question? Are you letting your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? Can I tell you, this church is needed. You know that. This church is needed. But are you doing your part? Are you doing your part by telling other people? Are you doing your part by helping to send people? Are you doing your part to help others who are training other people so the next generation can be reached? So we see the fact the harvest is plenty us, and then we see the solution. The Bible says this. It says, pray ye there for the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth labors in the harvest. I believe the solution is for us to pray and for us to give. We support missionaries in countries where I will never go. I know that. I've never been to Italy. I've never been to Spain. I've never been to Africa. But we support missionaries in those countries. And I've never been to India. I've sent money to India. I've supported Justice Banwell and others there, all the way back to Dr. Chelly and others. But I've never been to India. So we could help by our giving. And the, the question is, what will we do? Will we pray? Will we give? And will we send? That, my friends, is what missions is all about. At this time, I want to share with you some things about West Coast Baptist College. And our purpose, very simply, is develop, and I have a slide here, to develop servant leaders with hearts for God who are committed to the Word, compassionate toward the lost, and compelled to change communities for Christ in the 21st century. We want people who are going to strive to make a difference. That's what we're about. This is our purpose. We believe in having a purpose statement. And we sat down one day. We said, we better figure out what we're here for. So we're training people for the right thing. I want to tell you a little bit about the enrollment of the college. Now, this year we have students from 47 states and from 34 foreign countries that are training to serve the Lord. By the way, I'm thankful for schools. I'm going to mention one. I have a nephew and a niece at Pensacola Christian College. If you're going to be a nurse... You're going to be a policeman. I think that's a great place to go. They use the right Bible. They've got good standards. They have chapel every day. That's a great thing. We only have six majors at West Coast. Six. We are a single-purpose institution. Can I tell you what it is? When I came to West Coast 18 years ago, the college was just two years old. They had 42 students. Last year, we had 1,031 students. When I came there, they, their theme was training leaders for the 21st century. Then they changed it when we got to the year 2000, training lab laborers in the 21st century. That wasn't my goal. West Point trains leaders. When I came there, it was all about training people who were going to try to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I took over the yearbook of the third year of the college. I'll tell you what I named the yearbook, The Harvester. 
because of the verse I read to you, where Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth labors in his harvest. Well, now we have a theme for the college. It's called Trading Labors for His Harvest. That's what we're about. That's what we're trying to do. So that's where the people are coming from. You can see where the states are that we're getting folks from. Uh, the states we don't have students from are North Dakota, Rhode Island, and one more as of right now. We're going to try to catch those. Right now, we have alumni serving. This is where our graduates are right now on the next slide. In 22 countries and 48 states, as missionaries, pastors, teachers, uh, 48 states as pastors, evangelists, youth pastors, and teachers. So literally around the country. That's just after 19 years. This is our 20th year. Uh, this year we're going to graduate again, close to 200 people. And uh, that, that's a pretty exciting thing. And uh, it's our goal to send them out and see them make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, the reason why I'm doing this, when you give an offering to something, I like to know where my money's going. Uh, I don't give to every charity that calls me on the phone. Right? I want to know what's going on. Some of the opportunities for West Coast Baptist College. We have opportunities for local ministries. Our church has about 60 different ministries that we are involved in. At our college, every student has to go soul winning every week, and they have to be involved in a ministry. We don't tell them how long they have to go soul winning. I've had great soul winning nights when I talked to one person. I might have talked to that person for two hours, and that person got saved. Pastor Tony and I were in a man's home in Star last night for an hour. We talked to a man and his son. Right? We did the best we could. That's how long we were there. I don't say, well, you only saw one person. That's who we went to see. We got to see that person. But we're in all kinds of local ministries. We're in rest homes. We're in public school Bible clubs. We have park ministries. We have prison ministries. We have bus ministry. We have deaf ministry. We have Korean ministries, Spanish ministries, Filipino ministries. We have lots of ministries, Filipino lasagna ministries even. It's an amazing thing. Uh, then we have regional ministries where we reach out. Uh, last summer, I had kids in 17 cities who went door knocking 40 hours a week for 12 weeks. We were in cities like Miami, Baltimore, Chicago, Boston, uh, uh, New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, uh, Brooklyn, New York, and other places like that. And we were going, trying to reach the Jews because the Bible says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so we had 131 students doing that for 12 weeks. Uh, we do lots of missions trips. What Pastor Tony was talking about, we often have six to eight mission trips available every year. This Christmas, we have groups going to Israel and Uganda, for example. And we had numbers of mission trips last summer. I think we were in eight or nine different countries last summer. And we lined them up where they go and spend a month to six weeks with the missionary. So we have global mission, ministries as well. And uh, this is one of our students here, uh, obviously on a foreign field, as you might guess by that picture. Right now, we have 1,803 alumni serving God around the world, and uh, those are graduates over the first 19 years. What are some of these graduates doing? Here's Abram Thomas. This guy's kind of special to me, and I'll tell you why. Abram was reached through our bus ministry and uh, played basketball in public school, actually played basketball for our college team. I remember getting his application on a Sunday night. The singles director brought him to me, and I talked to him about going to Bible college for one year. Abram Thomas went through college. He graduated from Bible college. He met a wife. They got married. They got two kids now. And to make a long story short, Abram Thomas is pastoring a church today, a church out of Lake L.A. And he's going to start a church down in Los Angeles this coming year, in, in, right next to where the old uh, fabulous form used to be in Englewood, California. It's about 97% African-American. He's going to go down right in the heart of that city and plant a church. That's one of our graduates from just a few years ago. The next picture is Anthony King I told you about. Where Anthony King planted a church in Honolulu, Hawaii, listen now, and think about this here in Idaho, in a one-mile radius of his church, one mile, there's 400,000 people. One mile. By the way, the nearest independent Baptist church to him is 21 miles away. One mile radius, 400,000 people. He's already, in less than a year, running over 80. Right? That's exciting. 
he thinks he'll be totally independent in a year and a half. And that's, that's an illustration. The next one, I have a, uh, this is Luis Montano. This is another great story. Let me tell you, Maggie grew up in our church. Her dad has a big landscaping business. Her dad mowed my lawn for about 10 or 12 years until my son was big enough to do it. Then I fired him and made my son do it for free. Praise God. But um, <laughs> I actually helped my son start a lawn business. Luis Montano came to our church, and he was what I would euphemistically call a gangbanger. He had a white T-shirt. He had a shaved head. He wore his pants down low. He came in, and a man by the name of Rick Bishop, you probably know Brother Bishop, Beard works in this net, walked up, Rick Bishop was saved through our ministry, as was his son, et cetera. And Rick came up and said, son, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? He said, don't bother me, man. He said, leave me alone, gringo, basically. And he went home. That week, he was at a party, and someone came by, did a drive-by shooting, and his best friend was shot and killed. Next week, Luis Montano came back. He came looking for Brother Bishop. He said, hey, what were you going to tell me about knowing for sure I can go to heaven? And Luis Montano got saved. He finished public school, and he told pastor, he said, I think God wants me to do something with my life to tell other people how they can be saved. He said to Pastor Chapel, this is kind of funny, do you know of a Bible college I can go to? He didn't know we had West Coast Baptist College. Pastor says, I have, I have an idea for you. He graduated. He met, met Maggie there, beautiful young lady, sweet young lady. They graduated. They went up and served in the Bay Area for a few years as assistant pastor. He learned how to speak, learned Hebrew, uh, passed his orals, got ordained, and he went back to Hermosillo, Mexico, started a church that runs 400 today, 400. By the way, fruit of the bus ministry, fruit of a church, fruit of a college. God used him. Next picture we have there. I have a little bias. That's my daughter, all right? <laughs> And my son-in-law and my two grandsons. That's Justin down below and up on his dad's shoulders. That's Brody Mark. And uh, they met in college. By the way, J uh, Jonathan Ballou, uh, whose dad did a lot of serving in the Philippines with Lifeline Publications, felt called to be a music pastor. And uh, I, had their, I had their position all picked for him, Pastor Tony. They were going to go work for my brother 70 miles away. S great salary, good place to live. They're going to help with housing. And the last leadership conference he went to, David Gibbs preached on missions. And Jonathan said, I need to talk to you, Dad. He said, don't hurt my girl. Don't hurt my girl. And I saw him the next day. We, we, was helping, we were helping host a golf tournament. I don't golf. He doesn't go. He might golf. I, I don't know. I think he does. But he was helping. He was one of the tour groups that were helping serve. I said, what do you need to talk to you about? He goes, I'm called the mission field. Wow. I said, um, are you sure? He said, I know that's what God wants me to do. I said, okay. I've always said happiness is finding God's will and do it. And so now I said, well, where do you think? Now I'm hoping Canada or Mexico, you know, somewhere close, right? He said, Philippines or Thailand. And so my daughter and grandsons, the only grandchildren I have, are 8,600 miles away. But you know what? I believe with all my heart they're in the will of God, and I couldn't be happier with it, all right? Because happiness is finding God's will and doing it. Next one we see here. There's Adam Young. I met Adam. Adam was playing football at University of California, Davis, majoring in Russian. His pastor introduced him to me. I said, you ought to come to Bible college for a year. <laughs> Adam came to Bible college. That's uh, Brother Jones's daughter, Angela, there. They're four kids. He was a Russian major. Today, he has a great church up near Siberia in Russia. He's been there over 10 years serving God as a missionary. 
And uh, it's amazing how God can work in and through people. By the way, it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will, that's desire, and to do the ability, his good pleasure. That's just another story. Remember Adam playing the turkey bowl. He got hurt. I took him to the hospital that night. You saw the turkey bowl a few nights ago. So I wanted to show you a few pictures. Let me show you one more, one more graduate. This is William Miracle. William Miracle and his wife Becky. And uh, she's uh, half Chinese. Interesting story. He met Becky. He got a burden for China. China is what we call a creative access country. I was preaching in Hong Kong a few years ago. William came and stayed with me in my hotel room. Because uh, hotel rooms in Hong Kong are unbelievably expensive. And I was on a missions trip to preach there. And so I said, come stay with me. And we'll eat at the concierge level. We won't have to buy food. And we'll stay in the same room. And it was a great time. But William went over there, and he went to the University of Beijing and started studying Chinese. He has his bachelor's degree in Chinese now. Oh, by the way, he also has an underground church that runs about 80. But you want to hear the miracle of the story? Look at the next slide. These three guys, these are all from his church, and they are all students today at West Coast Baptist College. Because I also met another guy named Nick Lamb, who's a Chinese businessman. He owns a big BMW dealership, and he's a land developer, and he has a burn for China. I said, Nick, if I get somebody who wants called to preach, will you pay their way through West Coast Baptist College? Because they don't have any money. He said, sure. I got a check from two weeks ago, $16,000 to help pay their way. They're going to go back and be pastors in China. So when you're helping something like this, it gives you a little idea of what's going on. Next thing I want to share with you. The critical need of the offering that's, that you're giving tonight is going towards the biggest building we've ever built on our property in the history. It's an $8 million project. Now, you folks here at Centennial know how much of a help it was to you to build that building right next door. Did that not change the church? I mean, it changed everything. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're calling it the Walther Center, named after a man who was saved. It's going to be our student commons building. This building, John Maxwell said this. He said, I model means I do it. I mentor means I do it and you watch me. He says, I monitor, you do it and I watch you. I motivate, you do it. Listen now. We multiply, you do it and train someone else to do it. This new building, here's a picture of the inside of the building. Yes, it'll have a gym. This will be our Spanish auditorium. Our Spanish church runs about 850 a Sunday. One of my friends just bought the baptistry for this building for $13,000. A uh, man I talked about this morning who had that big house. So he just wrote me a check for the baptistry. He won't have a part of that. And uh, this is going to be a place for training, for teaching, for modeling. We'll, put, we'll have our, for example, leadership conference. We'll be able to feed everyone in there in air conditioning in the summer. 1,500 seats because those bleachers pulled back. We'll cover the floor. We'll feed everyone in there. We'll have church banquets like you have here. We haven't been able to do this for 15 years. We don't have a room for it. So what we do when we have a banquet like this, we do it seven nights in a row to buy the church up. You talk about a lot of work, right? You talk about a hassle. Now we can do it one room, one night. Uh, it's a place that we can show them so they can go and do it. We're going to have our youth conference services in there with the big plays. Our college days dramas will be in there because the one end, uh, the far down end, that huge stage there, we're going to be able to set up for stages. Now we have to do it in our church auditorium. So after the last year, we're going to tear the thing down, set it all up. It's going to be awesome. And I want to say this, for those of you who are giving this tonight, this will not only be used for equipping people, listen now, this will help draw people. They're going to look at that and say, wow, this would be awesome. We have a gym right now that seats 400 people. We have 850 dorm students. They can't even come to the activities. So uh, that's a, a great opportunity. So tonight, let me just say this, and I had till 7, I went 5 minutes long. 
If you help with this project, and by the way, as I said this morning, my wife and I have given many, many thousands of dollars to this project, and my kids will never play a game in here. My son graduates this coming May. We hope to cut the ribbon for this in June. Our church family, most of them will never have a child in that building, has given over $5 million to this building. We've had some friends around the country who have given about another million. We've got about $2 million more to raise. But this is for training the next generation. Remember, we talked about training, and it's part of training and sending them, right? I believe it will draw people. There's going to be kids who are going to come in for college and walk through that and say, wow, this would be a great place to come. On the far right-hand side, there's going to be a restaurant in there. There's going to be a place for students to have fellowship and recreation. We want them there in a good environment, right? Uh, we don't want them hanging out the local bowling alleys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's, it's all self-explanatory. And as you become a co-laborer in a project like this, let me remind you what the Scripture says. The Bible says one can slay a 1,000, two can slay 10,000. You might say to yourself, well, my $10 or my 20 or my 100 or my 1,000 doesn't count a lot, all right? But remember what I preached on this morning, the story of the little boy and his lunch. If everybody did what they could for missions giving, if everyone helped, this is a one-time project. I don't think we've ever gone to churches to help with buildings like this before. But it's the largest building, 52 or 54,000 square feet. Uh, it's going to be a place for training, a place for equipping. It's going to be a place for college students until the Lord comes back to have their lives impacted. And like I said, while two of my, my oldest daughters have graduated, they're out serving the Lord already, while my son graduates this year, quite honestly, I'm giving for pastor's son, who may be there next year, plans on being there. For Michaela, who'll be there next year. They'll get to enjoy it. That's, that is a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm glad about that. And I believe, let me say this, the Bible says this, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is just one way, as I said this morning, of laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for the call to missions. We thank you for the fact that this church is already supporting 40 missionary families. I thank you for pastors willing to take this on as a special project this year to help hold up the hands of Pastor Chapel at a, a local church that has given so much to help kids from churches like Centennial. I think of the fact that at West Coast Baptist College this year, over 400 churches in America are sending young people there. This could be a blessing to so many of them. Lord, I pray you'll bless each person who gives to this special project tonight and that you'll honor the giving for the cause of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you give Dr. R a hand of appreciation? I love to hear the stories of what God's doing uh, through people all over the world. And, and even with the alumni of West Coast, there are hundreds more stories that he could have told, but for sake of time, just had to limit it to a few. And so we want to help them tonight. At every table, your table captain has the envelope for the project offering. And just do whatever the Lord lays on your heart. We just want to be a blessing. And here's how we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to have a closing prayer in just a few minutes. And then I would invite the table captains just to be able to come up each one at a time, visit with Dr. R for a minute. Yeah, be able to, to give him that offering for the college. Uh, also, there are a couple of other things that you could do right after we pray. The mission trips, both of them to sign up, and then the faith promise if you haven't had a chance yet to do that. Brother Ben, do we have an approximate of total of where we are so far? You can shout it out for me.
3,400, or about Route 3,400 a month. Um, so we need, uh, we probably need about 500 more a month committed for us to support the missionaries we have now. And so I want you to be praying. I know there are a lot of folks gone today with the weather. And let's just be praying that the Lord will allow us as a church to continue to support missionaries all over the world. And I appreciate those of you who have stepped up in faith with your commitments. Some of you uh, were doing extraordinary commitments last year and have gone even further. And so I know God's going to bless you for that. After we dismiss, so, so those are the few things that I need you to do. Also, make sure you go back to the folks from Star and greet them and let them know how much we love and care for them. And uh, I don't know how many of you have gotten to go out and see their building. And uh, they're in it now. But it's a terrific place, as a couple of folks have, and uh, we, we would love to be able to let you go see what they're doing out there, and so thankful they could be here tonight. Uh, if you are on the cleanup crew team, uh, this in the morning needs to be set back up for at least 60 or 70 students to have a chapel service, uh, so we need to try to get that far. We can have chairs stacked on the sides, but we need to get at least enough for a small chapel service. Dr. Rasmussen is going to be able to speak to our middle school, high school in the morning for just a while before he catches his plane at the airport. So I appreciate so much that he can do that. Well, thank you so much tonight for being here. And I sure do appreciate all of you and your commitment to worldwide missions. And I'm thankful for what God's doing on your heart. Brother Sharon, would you stand and pray for us? to be dismissed, and then our table captains, if you'd bring your project offering and all the things that I mentioned. Brother Dan. Love you, everybody. Good night. Have a great week.